Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Good to be back in this time slot. It is a busy, busy day. Coming up on the program, we are going to get all of the details in the federal budget. We'll have reaction to that at 2 o'clock this afternoon. We are going to be hearing from health officials, Dr. Bonnie Henry, the Premier, as well as Adrian Dix, Health Minister. We will bring you that news conference live just as soon as it starts and also have a lot of response there. We're also expecting not only response to what happened this past weekend as far as the crowds gathering, uh, but also to the AstraZeneca vaccine. And as you've heard in other jurisdictions, they've lowered the age group that can now get the AstraZeneca. So we have a doctor coming on to talk about that as well. Also looking at what the mayor of White Rock is suggesting following an extremely busy weekend in that part of Metro Vancouver as well. First, though, Mike Farnworth was asked earlier today about the large crowds and the police response and, well, he was asked about a lot of things that happened this weekend. What I'd like to see is uh, people following the provincial health office's orders. Um, most British Columbians are doing that. As I said, there is a small group who, who are not doing that, um, and they are highly visible. But I also know the police uh, make operational decisions, and they assess this situation based on the, their resources and what's happening overall, uh, for example, in the, say, let's say in the city of Vancouver, uh, and they take appropriate action. Uh, they have been out doing enforcement. We have seen on numerous occasions where there have been individuals who have uh, not only been ticketed, but have been charged and face uh, in, you know, some very serious charges. So I think the fact that the, uh, the city of Vancouver and the, and the police have indicated they are reviewing uh, how they, they deal with these situations, um, you know, tells me that uh, they take these things very seriously. Let's bring in Mike Morris, the BC Liberal critic for the Public Safety and Solicitor General for that ministry. Mike Morris, thanks so much for taking some time with us. No, my pleasure, Jill. Uh, how do you respond to that answer given by uh, Mike Farnworth earlier today? Uh, dancing around the issue, you know, the issue is, uh, uh, did the province uh, ensure that uh, the proper steps were taken before these kinds of things uh, occur? Uh, did they have adequate uh, uh, enforcement officers, compliant enforcement officers available uh, to assist the city of Vancouver in, in uh, exercising their authorities there? We have to remember that uh, the police are tasked, uh, particularly on weekends, to the maximum in addressing some of the serious offenses that are taking place out there. And of course, Vancouver had a very active weekend. So what steps did the province do uh, and what did they take to ensure that those crowds didn't start gathering on the beaches in the first place? That's the question. What do you think would work in that scenario, though? I'd like to think that looking at those crowds and at the videos of those crowds, that that's a group of people that it wouldn't really matter what rules are in place. Or they clearly weren't uh, weren't concerned about being caught or even being ticketed. And, and maybe if that had been a concern, they might have taken the party inside. Yeah, you know, they, you know, were the public places uh, adequately posted? Uh, you know, did they have compliance and enforcement people there earlier on in the day before the crowds really gathered to approach some of these individuals and say, listen, separate, uh, you know, uh, try and comply or comply with the uh, provincial regulations and the orders? Um, you know, those things should have taken place long before the crowds and alcohol got involved. 
you also have the benefit here of having an RCMP background and have the viewpoint from from law enforcement. And as you mentioned, it was an extremely busy weekend for Vancouver police. They've put out a, a list of bullet points of what they were dealing with on the weekend. How does an officer, I mean, prioritize in that there were some calls, I think, that people might say were more serious than the crowd on the beach. How do you prioritize and wade into a situation like that safely? Yeah, you know, well, the, um, the, th- that is an issue. You know, you have to be prepared to call in all your extra resources on overtime, uh, make sure that all of them have been notified in advance that this might be an issue, much like we do when we, we plan for, uh, you know, music festivals and other public events uh, that occur throughout the province here. But um, perhaps this was a situation where this may not have been foreseen uh, to be as serious as it was. Uh, I don't know. But uh, again, police resources are usually uh, fully maxed out on weekends in most of our communities around the province. Uh, so is it an issue of resources then? And I know police have mentioned this or have talked to this as well, that they were they were calling in anybody that could work and they were trying to get more resources. But like you said, we're maxed out. Yeah, it is a question of resources. Like most uh, police departments are resourced to the minimum levels. Uh, the Police Act only requires that we ensure that there's adequate coverage, but that's a very subjective term. But, uh, you know, the police, uh, and again, I'm biased. I, I was once once, or was one once, and uh, but police resources are stretched to the maximum, and to plan for something like this um, at, a, at a last minute uh, is often difficult to get the resources there. And once these crowds have been uh, uh, consuming alcohol and other drugs, uh, it just makes it inherently more dangerous for a police to go in. And sometimes it's best to just sit by and and, uh, let it take place and, and figure out some kind of strategy afterwards to prevent it from happening again. Uh, I don't think there were tickets issued at the dance parties that were breaking out, uh, the one that's uh, been being shared quite a bit at English Bay. Do you think it would work as a deterrent for people doing this if they knew they were going to be slapped with a fine and if the fines were bigger? I I think it would have. You know, in a situation like this, uh, you know, photographs and pictures... uh um, will come in handy or would come in handy in in, uh, in prosecuting individuals that are flagrantly violating the law. But, uh, um, you know, people have to be made aware, and, and they should be aware by now. Um, perhaps it's time that the province stepped up and provided more provincial resources to help communities like Vancouver uh, in the public places deal with these provincial orders. Uh, is there a, a scenario as well where it doesn't have to be police? I mean, is it a situation of resources? So we're talking maybe bylaw officers or talking about other ways of enforcing this? Exactly. So, uh, you know, get all bylaw enforcement officers on deck, uh, get all provincial compliance and enforcement officers on deck for these kinds of events to make sure that uh, it's controlled before it gets to the point where you do need um, uh, police resources to step in. Uh, what are your thoughts as well on travel restrictions? And we're being told that there might be some new information on travel restrictions. We're certainly expecting the circuit breaker to be extended in BC. What are your thoughts on those measures? Yeah, uh, again, you know, we're in a very serious third phase of, of COVID and uh, the restrictions are in place to help uh, stop the spread of the uh, of the uh, virus itself. So I think whatever steps are necessary uh, um, should be taken and all the uh, um, available resources right across the province uh, would uh, uh, certainly be on deck to help uh, get that message out and to enforce it.
do you think the message has been mixed? Uh, people have been been saying that there's some confusion uh, with being told you can gather with up to 10 people outside, but you probably shouldn't uh, stay in your community. We certainly uh, heard from police saying a lot of the people in Vancouver this weekend were not from Vancouver. Uh, does the messaging need to be more clear? It does, and that's the problem right from the start. The message has been quite nebulous in nature, uh, confusing for a lot of people uh, because there's been it, be, it hasn't been articulated properly, in my view. So uh, th- that's a big problem that uh, goes right back to the beginning of the uh, health orders. All right, Mike Morris, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks so much for making the time for us. You bet. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Mike Morris is the BC Liberal critic for public safety and the Solicitor General. We're going to take a short break, but then open up the phone lines. What are your thoughts on what you saw or heard in your community? Maybe you live in Vancouver. Did you see those crowds gathering? Did you get out and enjoy the beautiful weather we had this past weekend? And if so, uh, your thoughts on what you encountered, what you witnessed, and the messaging. Does it need to change what we're hearing from health officials in this province? Star 9898 and 604. Or 280-9898. We're going to take your calls right after the break. Well, we know it was very busy in a lot of places this past weekend. Great weather, sunshine, warm temperatures. It really did feel like summer. Unfortunately, in Vancouver, we are talking today about the beach parties that broke out in the evenings. Also some concerns in other areas where perhaps the crowds were more than they should have been. White Rock is taking a look at possibly bringing in new measures to try and stop that from happening. And joining us on the line to talk more about that is the mayor of White Rock, Daryl Walker. Mayor Walker, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, we had a caller in the last segment, lives in White Rock, says he was out there on the weekend, uh, but thought even though it was very busy, felt that people were distanced, uh, there was a nice breeze, and didn't feel like it felt unsafe or that there were there was too much crowding. Uh, were you able to get out to, and see kind of what was happening? Well, yeah, not only was I able to get out, I was down on uh, Saturday uh, around 1.30-ish uh, actually to do a, a global piece, uh, but I, I've had word back from other councillors and folks that were down there over the weekend. Um, it was busy and, and it was packed. And my, my main concern is uh, not that people are there in, in, in the great outdoors. Social distancing was not something people were necessarily looking at. And there were very, very few masks. I would guess less than 10% of the people I saw down there were wearing masks. So, uh, you know, all of the restrictions uh, that we set in place aren't any good if people don't follow them. And so we're we're concerned, and that was the reason that we're calling a special meeting this afternoon to have a look at what our next step should be. Uh, there are a lot of suggestions on this list of things that council could do. Uh, we'll go through a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. Fencing off the promenade, closing the pier, closing the parking lots, those seem like pretty extreme measures. Well, they may seem like it, and, and we may not get there, but you'll have to remember uh, a year ago about this time, we shut down the, the promenade, the parking, and the uh, the pier for better than three months. So we had to put chain fences around them and so on. It was just at that point that it was too scary to, to do otherwise. And I'm not sure that we're not in a worse situation now with the uh, new variants that are you know really impacting everybody. And uh, the numbers have gone up considerably. I think we're, we're averaging over 1,000 or 1,100 a day in British Columbia, and a good number of those are in the Fraser Health area, which is kind of our area. 
Uh, and, and I guess where, where people might push back a little bit is, and you mentioned that a lot of people weren't wearing masks and that messaging has changed a bit. Uh, Dr. Henry saying if you're outside and close to people, not in your household, it's a good idea to put a mask on. But we're also told that the risk of transmission, the risk of infection when we're outdoors is extremely low. Uh, so people would think that it is safe to go and walk on the promenade and to walk on the pier. Yeah, it, it's it's rather interesting, the information that, that is actually out there. Um, I, I'm sure that when you're outside, if you're six feet apart and wearing a mask, you don't have to, to worry about it. But proximities down there are very, very crowded. The pier is relatively narrow. The promenade is narrow. The parking lots were full over the weekend. So that's an indication that everything was happening down there. So my sense is, why be sorry later? Let's keep six, six uh, meters or two meters, six feet apart. And let's try and wear our mask. It really doesn't hurt anything. Now, some people can't, and we understand that. But for the large majority, you can do that, and it will help everybody out. So one of the first asks, and this was one I made on Saturday, was put your masks on, folks, and stay you know, a, a fair distance apart. Uh, on the list for consideration as well is limiting the waterfront parking lots to residents with parking decals, uh, perhaps reserving one parking lot for restaurant patrons only, uh, fencing off problematic areas. Would those things, could they possibly be taken off the list if people do start masking up? Well, I think we have to look at everything. So the answer would be yes, they could be taken off the list. We don't want to hurt our businesses. They're already suffering. We want them to be able to have takeout and pick up and so on. And some of them have the patios. To, and, and I've noticed that, that they've done the, the, the construction or structural work that, to, to protect people. But each one of these steps in and of itself is not going to help us. A large number of them or the majority of them probably will. And heck, this is only April. We've got another five months of this yet to go and and really the variants don't seem to be getting any weaker so uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing what uh, the dr bonnie henry and and uh, the minister have to say today it will hopefully get that information prior to our four o'clock meeting but i think we have to go to the extreme and decide if we want to go that far or then start coming back so that we'll at least know we've covered all of our bases uh, White Rock itself, the area of White Rock, isn't huge. And as you mentioned, the parking lots were full. There were so many people there that you could kind of connect those dots to suggest a lot of people came to White Rock from outside mm-hmm. of that area, which goes against uh, Dr. Benny, Bonnie Henry was pleading with people to stay in their communities. How do, you, how do you do that or make it so residents of White Rock can safely enjoy their community? And maybe, uh, I mean, that too, like you said, you want businesses to thrive. Can you do that if you tell people to stay away? Well, I think you can. I think there's enough business uh, coming to those restaurants from White Rock. And, and we also kind of differentiate South Surrey, which is almost part of our community. They come down there on a regular basis as well. We're simply asking others to stay home. Stay in your own community. If you're from Langley, there's many beautiful places in Langley. Please stay in your own community. You don't need to come down here for now. We want you back when it's safe, but we don't necessarily think it's safe. And so if we have to go to the extreme of a full shutdown of our parking, our businesses are really going to suffer. So help us to help our community, to help our businesses, and frankly, to help our society get through this very, very difficult time. Uh, You mentioned the case counts and that a good uh, portion of the daily case counts of COVID-19 cases are coming from the Fraser Health Authority. Uh, People might say to you, okay, but 
does there not need to be proof that transmission is happening on the promenade, on the pier, in this part of White Rock? Uh, do you not need that before you take these drastic measures? Well, I, I mean, quite frankly, you could, you could ask me that, and I would say to you, then tell me where it actually is happening in the community. With the help of Fraser Health and with the health authorities, we believe that we have some justification for asking people to stay away. And we, we believe the justification is the numbers that we're seeing every day. I mean, some months ago, we were down around 300 a day, 350. Those were pretty good days when you look at well over 1,100. So I think the proof is in the pudding already and that is there is contagion going on out there people are spreading the COVID-19 variants whatever ones they happen to be they seem much much easier to spread so I think it's time for us to all be big grown-up boys and girls and do what is right for our community I'd love to go and visit my family uh, in different parts of the lower mainland I haven't seen them in some time that's because I believe it's the wrong thing to do and so I'm going to stay home and I'm going to deal with whatever I have to deal with. You know, please don't give me an excuse. Please give me some assistance and some support. Well, you've likely seen the video of the dance party uh, that broke out in English Bay. That was just one of many calls made to the Vancouver Police Department this past weekend. And joining us to talk about what the weekend looked like is Sergeant Steve Addison, Vancouver Police Department media spokesperson. Thanks so much for coming on the program. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's not every Monday that we get a, a bullet point list of the calls, of some of the bigger calls that Vancouver police uh, have responded to. This one uh, is pretty lengthy. Uh, it seems that way anyway. Uh, how was it? Do, how would you rate the weekend then as far as it being a busy weekend for police? Yeah, it was an extremely busy weekend. It, um, the warm weather, which is very unseasonable, obviously, tends to bring out lots of people. Uh, I was out there myself on Saturday night dealing with some of these calls and the numbers of people that I saw out there, whether they be on the patios at the restaurants, on the beaches, walking on the seawall or what have you, um, were the types of crowds that we see, you know, in July and August pre-pandemic. So it was very challenging for our officers to deal with uh, all of the 911 calls, as well as the, the emergency calls, as well as the calls about the COVID-19 rule breakers, uh, while at the same time dealing with two major crime scenes, one being a homicide that occurred in Cole Harbor and another being a stabbing that occurred a short distance away from there, uh, which were both major incidents that uh, did require a, a significant number of police resources. And you also had a, a five-car crash-up, too, around the same time, didn't you? Yeah, we had a five-car uh, collision. This occurred um, further south in the city. It was on Oak Street, um, Southern Oak Street, um, where a driver uh, lost control of his vehicle and went into oncoming traffic, uh, struck another car, ended up plowing into a, a light pole, and it caused a chain, bit of a chain reaction accident with uh, ultimately five vehicles involved. So that sent two people to hospital and um, tied up a, a number of police resources as our collision investigation unit came out to try and uh, better understand what happened. So um, all over the city, it was uh, there were a lot of calls. It was very challenging for us to uh, to deal with uh, with all of the uh, all of the incidents that happened. Were there enough officers available to respond? Well, we were certainly stretched thin. Um, we and, and we were stretched thin in large part because of. Um, the homicide that occurred in Cole Harbor, as well as the uh, the stabbing that occurred uh, close by, which were two major incidents. And when something like that happens, 
we create a large crime scene that needs to be contained with forensic identification officers attending, uh, crime scene containment people interviewing witnesses, people looking for video. Um, and just one incident like that can draw dozens of officers. When we throw in uh, these impromptu dance parties that happen down on the beach, uh, other 911 calls, um, officers responding to people in, uh, in crisis, domestic violence situations, traffic accidents, uh, mental or sorry, um, uh, animal calls like uh, the one in Stanley Park where we had a cyclist who uh, struck a coyote and then ended up being attacked by the coyote. These are all uh, incidents that require police response and do stretch our resources. And that's why we're really appealing to people to use good judgment uh, during uh, the pandemic. We expect people to use good judgment all the time. But particularly now, um, when we do have to respond to uh, 911 emergencies and serious incidents, uh, it stretches us thin when we're also having to respond to uh, these other things that are preventable, things like the dance parties that are happening down on the beach um, okay, and, and other other incidents like that. So looking at the dance party, because that is the video that a lot of people are watching yeah. and seeing today and furious over this. And I get police were stretched thin and there were all of these other <laughs> things going on. Uh, people are curious, though, as, as to why in that dance party police weren't issuing tickets and, and handing out fines for people doing that. Yeah, sure. Um, so we had about two to 300 people who were on Saturday night who were down um, on English Bay, a large speaker, uh, not following social distancing guidelines. Um, that was right around the time that we did have uh, a lot of serious incidents happening. Uh, I was down there myself. We actually had to have other officers come in from other parts of the city to safely clear that crowd that was down on the beach. Now, I know, understand that there may be people who suggest that we should have uh, detained everybody and issued or detained some people and issued them a ticket. The reality is to issue somebody a ticket, detain them is probably a 10 to 15 minute process. Once you detain them, get their ID, confirm their ID, uh, fill out a ticket, issue the ticket, explain how to pay it and dispute it. And while there are many situations where that is a perfectly reasonable and acceptable thing to do, on Saturday night with this large group of people, with all of the other challenges that we were facing in the city, the most appropriate course of action was to disperse this crowd and send them on their way. It w simply wasn't uh, realistic uh, for us to be able to uh, stop everybody, detain them and start issuing them tickets. And because of the a number of incidents that had happened in that crowd involving some fights and some uh, threats of violence, um, the priority was to to get in there and disperse this crowd, and that's what we did. And I get that, and that makes total sense. But doesn't it also send the message to people, as long as you have a big enough group and you do this on a Saturday night, mm -hmm. you're all going to get away with it? You're not going to be ticketed? Well, no. Moving forward, what we're going to be looking at is uh, working with some of our other partners from, uh, whether it be uh, municipal or provincial, uh, other um, partners, whether it be park rangers, bylaw officers, uh, liquor inspectors, public health officers, uh, to develop more of a coordinated approach uh, to dealing with situations like this. And because there are other people who are certainly able to issue tickets as well and to assist us. Our priorities are always public safety. Our priority is dealing with uh, 911 calls and serious crimes. And while I'd love nothing more than to be able to um, stop everybody who is there, 
issue them a, an expensive ticket and send them on their way. It just something that wasn't something that was reasonable. Um, uh, it wasn't something that we were able to do. So that's really why we are appealing to people to use better judgment. Um, we need uh, grown-ups to start acting like grown-ups and make smart decisions. We need parents to act like parents and know where their kids are and have those conversations with their kids to make sure that they're not coming down to the beach uh, and having these parties uh, on Friday and Saturday nights. Um, it's not it's not acceptable, it's not appropriate, and uh, we will continue to look for ways to, uh, to, to deter this from happening and to, uh, to deal with it quickly when it does. Oh, we've only got a, a minute left. So yeah. in the future then, will enforcement look different in the future? Well, as I said, we're, con- we're continuing to uh, work with our partners. Uh, when it is appropriate and feasible to take enforcement action, we will. We do have our beach patrol that will be starting up. Uh, May long weekend and those are dedicated officers who do work on the beach. They ride ATVs, they deal with disorder, uh, liquor infractions, uh, they do regularly issue tickets and uh, they will be out there um, encouraging people to um, have better behavior, to obey the public health uh, guidelines and to make smarter decisions. All right, Uh, Sergeant Addison, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. All right. As mentioned, uh, we are getting some more of the details from the federal budget. And one of the big parts of this budget is child care. The Liberals pledging $30 billion for child care with the eye of reducing fees right across the country. The plan would aim to see an average drop in fees next year by about 50 percent for preschooler daycare spaces that uh, last year ranged from about $451 a month. That was the example uh, given what you would pay if you were in Winnipeg, uh, $1,250 a month in Toronto. And I would guess that the Vancouver numbers are more comparable to Toronto uh, compared to then uh, as opposed to Winnipeg. Eventually, the plan is to have an average fee of about $10 a day right across the country outside of Quebec, which, as you know, has its own system. So with reaction to that, Sharon Gregson joins me on the line now, an advocate for $10 a day childcare. Thanks so much for being here. It is my pleasure to celebrate with you today. We've got some good childcare news federally for a change. Uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts on this? And the goal, I think, was to buy 20, I forget, 2026, I think, was one of the years, but bringing it down year by year. Well, you know, the $10 a day childcare plan in BC has been so popular, so successful. Families want so much more of it. To now see that the advocacy efforts that we've started here in BC have rippled out across the country and the federal government now setting 10 a day as a target by 2025 for all families with the dollars to back it up. They've actually committed $30 billion over five years. Um, this is substantial. This is a game changer in our country and it really sets the stage for families in British Columbia and educators. Um, because there's no sense having a childcare system without people to work in it. Um, it sets the stage for us to have even more success in BC, more more progress. Uh, do you think we need it on a national level? If you're talking about the plan in BC, uh, d- does it? What changes then do you think as far as taking it from a provincial plan to a federal one? Well, there are differences in every province and territory, um, but there are more similarities. So it doesn't matter which province you live in, you need fees to be affordable, and 10 a day is an affordable fee for for most. You need educators who have got um, a 
good education that allows them to work with children and are well compensated for their important work. That's the same no matter where you live. And there needs to be enough spaces that are public assets or in the not-for-profit sector so that public money is being used for the public good. Those are consistent things that the federal government should rightly be investing in because, of course, when parents go to work, they don't just pay provincial income tax, they pay federal income tax. So it's very appropriate that the feds be stepping up. And this is good news for for kids, for women's equality, um, particularly for racialized, low-income families. Good news for our economy. Employers will know that they've, they can hire people who've got um, good childcare behind them. So it's a huge, huge victory for our for our country, and it'll it'll mean for our province too. Uh, do you think the timeline is doable? In that it's one thing to have the money for something, but you actually do need the physical space, and as you mentioned as well, the educators and the people to work in those centers. Well, it will require political um, it to be a political priority. It, you're right. It cannot just be a budget announcement. It has to be, there will need to be multilateral and bilateral negotiations with the provinces. But can you imagine any province saying to the federal government, no, I don't want to have a, a quality, affordable childcare system in my province. I don't want federal money. It would be ridiculous. And so I think there will be a lot of pressure on premiers to take this money and to spend it wisely uh, because we do need to have strings attached so that um, all premiers spend the money in a way that builds a public system with public money. Um, It it will take dedication. It will require everybody coming to the table. Um, It's not going to be easy, but when things are a priority, we know that it can happen. Uh, we've had promises uh, involving national child care programs in the past. Do you think this one is different? Well, we haven't had a pandemic before where everybody from the governor of the Bank of Canada to the prime minister to public health officers um, to all the economists agree that child care is essential. And so we know how badly women, particularly um, racialized women, have been impacted by the pandemic if we ever want women to be on that trajectory to equality again, we're going to have to invest in childcare. And we know that it's, um, you know, in jurisdictions around the world where childcare is more affordable and more accessible, there is greater equality. Uh, and so it feels like in 2021, a progressive, supposedly progressive country like Canada should be making this investment. All right, Sharon Gregson, we'll have to leave it there for today. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure.